25 or Luke 10, 25 through 37, which can be found on the front of your bulletin. Loving your neighbor. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending him with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered the thieves? Then the legal expert said, The one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris Lynch, and I have the uh, wonderful privilege not just of being here with you uh, today, uh, but I also have the privilege of serving the Rock Hill District along with the Spartanburg and now the Florence District as a congregational specialist. Um, and, and I am thrilled to be here this morning. I work out of the Office of Connectional Ministries. I bring you greetings from them, uh, from our district superintendent, Reverend Anthony Hodge. And it is a, a joy to be here uh, to share with you this morning what, what I have uh, dubbed rules of engagement. Uh, and the, what I want to share this morning comes from some conversation I've had with uh, some, of your, some of your leadership, particularly your outreach and evangelism committee, as we begin to think about how do we as a congregation um, find a new um, excitement or a new um, passion for uh, engaging our community, for reaching our community. Uh, and I think all that really is whittled down into what we heard this morning now twice about how do we become good neighbors uh, to those we come in contact with. And we have this great example uh, from the Gospel of Luke of the Good Samaritan. Uh, that story we've heard since we were yay high uh, for vacation Bible school or Sunday school. If you've been in church any amount of time, you have heard um, that story told. I think it's a great example for us about what it means uh, to engage our community. Uh, and so I want to share a little bit about that uh, this morning, what I think that may look like and how we move uh, to engaging our community. I'm, I'm excited to be here uh, for a number of reasons, as I mentioned. 
Um, I, last night, uh, my wife said, what time do you have to leave? I live in Anderson, by the way, so I've got a two-hour drive. And my wife last night said, what time do you have to leave? And I looked at my calendar, my calendar said worship was 11. I said, that doesn't sound right. Let's, let's double check the, the go check um, Aldersgate's uh, website. And she looked and said 10.30, and she was reading and said uh, it, it, it would be in person or online. I said, that'll be the first time I've gone worldwide in my entire life. And so I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad to have those folks who are worshiping with us online as well. But as you think about this idea of engaging your community, I want to differentiate kind of just for a moment uh, in a difference of serving our community and engaging our community. Uh, we hear a lot about service to our community, and, and that's not a bad thing at all. As a matter of fact, uh, for years, the church has been um, critical in our communities in, 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 in in serving our community, in, in helping people in our community. Uh, but engaging our community takes it kind of a step further. And I want to tell you a couple of quick stories um, that kind of illustrate that difference. Um, I also serve the conference as the conference youth coordinator. Uh, my background is I've never been a pastor, um, much less a preacher, so this is kind of all new for me. Um, but I, my background is in youth ministry, and so I was youth director at Trinity UMC in Anderson for 16 years. And I saw this played out, this difference, as I was thinking about it, really distinctly in a couple of things we've done in the past. One of the things we did was called, what we called rake and run. And rake and run, as you can imagine, is um, where we get our youth group together, on, usually on a Saturday morning. Uh, we identify uh, folks in our congregation who, who were not able to do their own yard work for whatever reason. Uh, we would break up into three or four teams, and we would go, and we would rake all their leaves, put them by the street, and then jump in the bus or van and head to the next, to the next house. Do the same thing, jump in the bus, head to the next house, rake. We could, so it literally was rake and run. Now, that was a great service to those people. It served them well. But what it didn't do was it didn't really engage anyone at all. On the flip side of that, another thing we did in youth ministry at Trinity for years was um, I would, uh, twice a year, about a half a mile from Trinity was a nursing home. And so twice a year, uh, we would make a visit to the nursing home, and I would encourage our young people, I would say, just walk around the nursing home. We got permission to do this. Walk around the nursing home, um, knock on a door, step into a room, and, and just make the day of a person who usually doesn't get visitors and especially doesn't get visitors that are young very often, unless it's great-grandkids or grandkids. And I had, as you might imagine, uh, teenagers just don't really jive, so to speak, with nursing homes. They're not really comfortable there. And so I had this one young man, his name was Chris, and Chris never, he always, anytime he was like, I don't know why he showed up. He showed up for nursing home night, but it was always like, I don't want to go to the nursing home. There's people are old, it smells bad, blah, blah, blah. He didn't want to do it. Well, one Sunday night, we go, we, I basically would say, all right, y'all go 45 minutes, meet back at the bus, we'll go back to the church. We get back 45 minutes later, and I start counting on the bus, and we're one short. And I'm like, all right, who's missing? They're like, it's Chris. I'm like, did he run away? And they were like, I don't think so. I saw him in there at one point, you know, a little while ago. I said, all right. So I sent two of my adults. My, I went in with two of my adults. I said, let's split up. Here's this hall, that hall, this hall. Let's go. We got to go rescue Chris. Now, I'm, in my back of my mind, I'm really thinking Chris has called a friend, and his friend has come by and picked him up, and they left because he hated this that bad. Lo and behold, I walk around the corner, 
And I hear Chris talking and laughing in a room. And I'm like, I stick my head around it. And Chris is sitting there, and he's engaged with this old, older gentleman um, who happened to be African-American. Chris played baseball at T. Johanna High School. And Chris was sitting there, and lo and behold, this gentleman who was in the nursing home had played in the Negro Textile Leagues. Well, they got to talking about baseball. And you would have thought I had to, I mean, I literally had to, hey, Chris, we really got to go. There's 20 other people on this bus waiting for you. Come back some other time and talk to this guy. I had to drag him out of there. What had happened is Chris and this gentleman had engaged in conversation. There was a relational aspect to that engagement. So when I talk about engaging communities, that's really what I'm talking about. Yes, service may be part of it, but it goes a step further to how are we engaging and connecting with our community. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, three things really... Um, I grew up in the Baptist church, don't hold that against me, but every Baptist sermon was three points. And I guess I've gotten that and it just grew in my head growing up, but I've got three things to think about that I really call rules of engagement. What does it take for us to engage uh, our community? And the first thing is this, it starts with the love of all people, all right? It starts with the love of people. Um, We must come to a point where we view everyone, not just the people who are like us, not just the people who have the same faith as us, we must come to the point, not just people we agree with, we must come to the point where we view everyone as brothers, sisters, and co-heirs uh, in the kingdom. You think about this uh, story of the good Samaritan. A Samaritan who, by the way, was nothing like this man who was beaten and robbed. Um, they, they, those Samaritans were not known as friendly to those people. But when he saw him, he had compassion. I'm convinced that Love begins with compassion. And it's compassion not in the sense that I feel sorry for them. That's sympathy. Compassion starts with, I know where you are. The reality is this. Even folks who are not Christians, we know where they are because we, too, were once there. And but by the grace of God, we're still there. Um, And so it starts with compassion. And this idea of compassion and love, it's not just enough to say, to stand around and say that we love people. We have to begin to show it. And that needs to become, in order for us to really engage our community, that has to become a part of our culture in the church. And what that means is this. It means how we, not, not just when people come to us, which we'll talk about in a minute, but when we go to them, how do we show them the love of God? How do we show them the love of God? Often I, I work with a lot of churches and doing a lot of different things, vision casting, um, long strategic plans, those sort of things. And often when I ask churches, hey, what are some of the strengths of your church? One of the things I get most often is we're a really friendly church. And a friendly church is great. But what I've experienced more often than not is that a friendly church means we're really friendly to each other. When we get here on a Sunday morning, we're really friendly to one another. And if someone comes in those doors that is not a part of our church, we may say hello. We may, you know, greet them. We may, but we, we still kind of tend to... St- to talk with and engage folks we feel comfortable with. And as part of our culture in terms of, um, in, in terms of engaging our community has to shift from loving and being friendly to being loving. It shifts from being friendly to being hospitable. What's the difference in that? Here, here's the way I've, I've kind of differentiated between being friendly and being hospitable. Is a friendly church says, we're glad you're here for what you can do for us. Okay, we need, we need more members, we need more people, we want to see these pews feed full, especially if you're a young person or somebody not, we're glad you're here because 
If you're a young person, we don't see, those, see these often. We're glad you're here for what you can do for us. That's a friendly church. What a hospitable church says is, we're glad you're here for what we have for you. We have a, 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 so much to share with you, to give with you. We're glad you're here for what we have for you. And that's really the difference. And that leads us to a shift uh, from, from building church. It's not about building the church. It's about building the kingdom. And what does that look like? So that begins with this love of all people. That's the first rule of engagement, loving all people. The second one, the second rule of engagement is moving from a, a, an attractional model to taking a missional approach to, mission, to ministry. A missional approach to ministry. What does that mean? Well, the reality is we now live in a post-Christian world. Uh, and some folks don't like to hear that. Um, but the reality is, if numbers will show it. If you look at anything, you, everything you see about churches, that uh, less and less people are um, involved in church on a regular basis, and more and more people are uh, what the news is now called, they are either the nuns, which are those who have no affiliation with a faith community, or the duns, who had an affiliation with a faith community, but for whatever reason have left the church. The nuns and the duns are growing faster than any other denomination in our culture. We live in a post-Christian world. Uh, if you don't believe, I'll give, so when I, when I was in third grade, I moved to Spartanburg. So that would have been in 1981, for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, in 1981, I moved from Anderson to Spartanburg. Uh, within the first three weeks we were there, uh, we must have had a dozen churches or representatives from a dozen churches knocking on our door, literally knocking on our door, saying, hey, welcome to the community. Back then, they had this thing called the welcome wagon. You may remember the welcome wagon. Somehow, the welcome wagon got word out that new people were in town, and these churches would flock to your doors um, trying to see if you would want to come to their church. Because the reality was, most folks, when you moved to town in 1981, the first thing you did was you found out where you went to school or where your kids went to school, where you're going to work. And the second thing you did was, where am I going to go to church? Why? Because that was the norm, particularly in the South and the Bible Belt. That's no longer the norm, okay? People aren't necessarily looking for a church. Uh, so we have to think through, we have to go to where the people are. We have to be missional a missional mindset versus an attractional mindset. Um, I kind of liken this to, there was a movie years ago called Field of Dreams. Starred Kevin Costner. It was about a, field, uh, a guy in Iowa who built a baseball field in the middle of a cornfield. And, and folks would ask him what in the world he was doing. And he said, there was this voice that spoke to him that always said, you remember what he said? If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. Uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, there was this huge influx of churches, mostly mega churches, but even um, denominational churches. The idea was, if you build it, they will come. In other words, if you had the right, number, the right ministries and you did those ministries well, eventually people would flock to you to be a part of those ministries. If you build it, they will come. The reality is, in a post-Christian world, uh, those were called seeker churches, by the way. If you just, people are seeking the church. If you build the church, they will find you. The reality is, in a post-Christian world, no longer, no longer is it normal to seek the church. So we have to shift how we function as a church. Um, what does that look like? You remember that nursery rhyme as a kid? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up, and there are all the people, right? The reality is this. This really has, I think, as the church has done us a disservice. Because we feel like all the people are the ones who are here in the church. 
And more so than ever, the reality is there are a whole lot more people outside of this church than there are inside this church. But unless we go to them, they may never enter into these doors, the doors of this church. Or even worse yet, they may never experience a life-changing relationship with God. So what does it look like to be an attractional church or an emissional church? Let me contrast the two. The attractional church, uh, which if we hang on to these attractional model, these attractional church uh, models, uh, we're going to end up being a dying church, more so than many of our churches are now. But the attractional model is this. It's really simple. It's transactional. We come to church, we sit in church, and we leave the church. I mean, that's it, right? Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whenever it is we come to church, we come to church, we sit in church, and we leave the church. That's an attractional model. We do it all here. We come to, we come to church. A missional model is this. This is a vital church. It says we go to the people, we engage those people, and we connect with those people. Now, we don't just connect with them. There has to be a so that. Why are we connecting with them? It's not... It's not, we don't connect with them so that they come back to the church. Remember, that's what I said a minute ago, but that's, that's, a, that's a friendly church. We, we want to go connect. We don't go connect with them so they come back to our church to be a part of our church. That's going to them for what, we, for what they, have, they can do for us. We have to shift our mindset to move from a church growth mindset to a kingdom growth mindset. What does it mean to, I just going to be a, a disciple a, 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 a Christ follower in the world who wants to share what I've experienced in Christ with someone else. Hopefully that means when, if, if they come to the point they begin their own relationship with God, with Jesus, hopefully they come to my church, get active, and can continue to be another disciple and another co-journer out in this world that is engaging people. But ultimately what my hope and my goal is as a Christ follower is I want to build the kingdom of God. If I build the kingdom of God, I'm going to trust God to take care of building my church. And that's a little bit of a shift and a major shift for us when we move to think from thinking about an attractional church to a missional church. So the first rule of engagement is loving all people, to review. The second thing is to move from a, to a missional approach to ministry. What's the third thing? The third thing is relationships. All right, We have to be thinking about how do we build relationships with other people um, outside of those church, outside of the church, and, and really importantly, what do those relationships need to look like? Um, a few things. They need to be authentic. Okay. Again, we have to know why it is. The, the, we have to be clear on what our why is. Our why is again not to go out and engage people and build relationships to bring them to church. Our goal is to build relationships to show them the love of God. If we show them the love of God, we allow the church growth to take care of itself. Otherwise, if we're just going to meet people in order to get them into these into these doors, into those doors, then that's not authentic. It's we're we're reaching out, we're engaging people because we want them to come with us. That's not authentic. An authentic relationship says, I care about you. I want to build this relationship because I want to share what I have found to be a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So it's authentic. Our relationships need to be authentic. Um, they need to be organic. They can't be forced, okay? Um, you all, each and every day, chances are you have some regular relationship with someone outside of this congregation. Yeah, I'm sure many of you have opportunities during the course of the week 
to engage and be in relationship with folks within the congregation. That's part of what being the body of Christ is all about. But we have to create organic relationships that just happen. And how, what does that look like? Often that means starting every day with, okay, God, I want to I re- engage people today. So I want you to show me who it is that you want me to be in relationship with today. And you may be surprised by who that is. Um, but usually when we are surprised, we know that God is at work in the midst of that. So that relationships need to be authentic, they need to be organic, and they need to be consistent. The reality is this, consistency often is key. Um, I once heard uh, somebody say this about being in ministry, and it kind of became my, um, one of my philosophies in ministry, and it says, uh, people don't know how much you care, I'm sorry, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You may have heard that. How does, how does someone know that you care? Consistency, particularly, particularly um, consistent authenticity, is going to continue to show someone, this person really cares for me. They really care about my life. They really care about, um, about sharing what they have experienced in God with me. And those authentic relationships are really the key to getting back to engaging our community. Because if we don't engage our community, all we do is serve our community. And, and again, sir, I don't, please don't hear me say serving our community is, is, is bad. It's a good first step. But when serving community becomes the, the end and not the means, then what is, well, we, we use that opportunity to pat ourselves on the back. Look at all the great work we did in our community. Good for us. We're, we're, we're a great church. We're doing lots of great things. But taking a step further moves us from serving our community to engaging our community. And that's where it moves from being a transactional thing where it's our church does these, that's a transaction. We do certain things to a transformational thing. Because when you show people the love of Christ, when you move beyond your walls to a missional approach to ministry, and when you begin to build relationships that are authentic, organic, and consistent, transformation happens. Through the work of the God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through God, in God, through us, transformation happens. Transformation happens in the lives of those that we engage, but also what you'll notice is transformation happens in our lives. And a lot of that is what many of us who sit in the pews of churches each day are really, really hungry for. And so I just want to leave that with you today as a, as a word challenge. Um, to think about your community, and, and your community absolutely you, is, is right around this church, absolutely, but now in a day and age where we are very transient, some of you probably have driven 15 minutes or maybe even more to come to church this morning. So your neighbor may be someone who lives next door to you. It may be somebody who lives 45 minutes from you who you see at work every day. Just like, you know, when, when, this, ta- when this lawyer challenged Jesus and he said, who's your neighbor? He, it wasn't just the people who live in the proximity, but it's the people I, I come in contact with every day. So this week, as you, as you begin to think about your week, or as you go through your week, take just a moment to, to say a quick prayer. God, who is it that you're going to put in my path today? Just like this Samaritan, after a pastor and a, and a, and a church leader had passed by, and he was clearly in their path, 
they just decided to ignore the needs he had. But yet this Samaritan walks by, didn't just serve, but engaged, engaged that person who'd been robbed and beaten and basically left for dead. So who is it this week that God's going to put in your path to begin to engage, to build a relationship with, to show the love of Christ? And the, challenge, the question then becomes, when that person shows up in your path, will you do it? Amen.